0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. Uh, We're sorry we weren't with you uh, really this past week. Uh, I I think we did a little bit of a holiday break. I know I was traveling. I know you were super busy as well, Reese. Uh, But what else has been going on, man? Happy holidays to everybody. Yeah,
1: happy holidays, of course. And um, it's been an interesting week. I think it's been it's cheery and good for the holidays. I will say though, not to start the podcast off on a down note, but a couple of sad deaths in the NFL world, as far Extremely. as um, Jeff Dickerson and the kind of Chicago mm-hmm. side um, that market. And I know that he's kind of seen or his uh, remaining child has seen a lot of support over Twitter and stuff like that. I've seen Schefter retweet that kind of stuff. So that's been yeah, at like- least a, a good side to that story, if there is any. Um, And then, of course, John Madden, um, which is just kind of a super legendary figure in the game, I think Mm -hmm. almost even underrated in his impact that he's had on football. Um, But we started to extremely see more of that come out after his passing as well. So but other than that, it's been honestly a pretty solid week. Um, But yeah, just busy, just like last. But that's how that's how things go. And uh, yeah, we missed you last week and I thought that we wouldn't regret it. Then the Bears kind of. Did a very bearish thing, <laughs> of
0: course. <laughs> yes, an extremely bearish thing. And one quick thing I want to say is that we will put the link to the donation fund for uh, Jeff Dickerson's uh, kid uh, in in the bio. He lost both his uh, mother and father, and over the course of two years, to cancer, unfortunately. So, extremely, extremely terrible uh, news. Um, man, it's just. It just just terrible, and and with John Madden, you know, a little, you know, he. A lot of the younger audience will know him for his video game, <laughs> but um, no, he uh, a super influential figure in football. Um, just really terrible. Twenty four hours uh, seeing that happen, um, but yeah. So if you guys have any additional money, maybe you have some holiday money, uh, please consider giving it to uh, his his son. Um, he's gonna need it uh, as. Uh, you know, going through, I think both of us can speak to it, that going through college is, is very expensive. And, uh, you know, growing up without two parents, just terrible. But yeah. Uh, yes.
1: Yeah. To yeah. Say anyways,
0: anyways, guys, uh, sorry to start the podcast off on a down note, but we'd really appreciate any support there. Um, Reese, wh- what was this win this past <laughs> week? I don't like literally I went into this game and I just I, I didn't even know what to think about it. You know, like I, I was just like, okay, we have Nick Foles. Pretty much nothing matters. We're playing the Seahawks. We're not even having a playoff game. Like if anything, it is, it's very similar to the Lions game, except it was a little more interesting because it was in Seattle. Um, and I just, I looked at it. I was like, okay, the there's benefits on both sides. If we lose this game, I was pretty certain Nagy was going to get fired. If we win this game, the Bears organization might be just crazy enough to wait, <laughs> wait a week, even though you can already interview coaches. Um, and sure enough the latter happened um, but let's break down the game before I mean I'm sure we'll talk extensively about the coach as we do every week uh, man really really interesting game Nick Foles didn't play awful I thought he played decent but um, Seahawks really had the best of us for the first little bit of the game, but then we started to hit our hit hit get rolling. Um, it, it seemed like our real strength throughout this was just the running game, and it it was a shame that Matt Nagy didn't rely more heavily on that in the beginning of the game. It's like, oh, you're on your third string quarterback. Oh, uh, you have two really good running backs. What are we gonna do? Throw the ball 50 times. Uh, that, that's essentially Matt Nagy's philosophy there. Uh, but both uh, Khalil Herbert and uh david montgomery really got going towards the end of the game and that really led us there and then uh, i gotta give a shout out to damir bird hasn't done much all season besides in that packers game and catching that in pretty pretty great two-point conversion um got those moss gloves you know did you see that (laughs) yeah he did he did apparently uh randy moss is like you are now good enough to uh be sent these gloves um i don't I don't know. That's an interesting individual to market with, but uh, <laughs> uh, I guess we don't need to say that. The one thing that I have to say, though, that I thought about in this game is you you saw, I'm sure you guys saw it, that essentially he, got, he almost got carried out of the end zone because <laughs> there was like three Seahawks yeah. players, but he somehow miraculously managed to stay in bounds it made be really reflect on just how silly some of the touchdown rules are in the NFL. <laughs> it's like, if you're a runner, you just, the ball just needs to cross the plane. But if you're a wide receiver, you need to survive the ground. Um, or you, you need, you need to have both feet in the end zone. It's just a little bit, little bit confusing. I mean, it's, it's the way it goes though, man. I don't know.
1: I, I, I it's hard to be upset with it when it worked out in our favor. So.
0: Yeah. Good point. Good point.
1: I mean I think this game, you know, I really I tried to enter the game with the same mindset as Nagy. I'm like, I'm just here to have fun. You know, there's not much to this and I just wanna see as much fun and You know, I I guess the snow incorporated into it a little bit where he knew it was going to be kind of a little bit more of a ground relying game. And honestly, each team gave us some pretty good running plays. Montgomery really carried the load. Um, And also like what I saw from Cleo Herbert on the couple of chances that he got. Um, Really nice blocking, too, on the touchdown run that he had. But it, he seems to always have the vision where it counts, as far as making the right cutbacks, or in that case, just kind of running right to to where the obvious seam is. And sometimes that can't be said for all the running backs in the league. And on the opposite side of the football, um, or on the other team, uh, Seahawks, Rashad Penny looked really good, which is someone that I remember watching him mm-hmm. play in college, uh, but you know have only seen a brief amount of him in the NFL and man he looked good against the you know you know running against Roquan Smith and having him always be that middle linebacker you're going against is kind of a tough task and he was able to break it open still but overall i mean it's kind of hard to be upset with the seahawks game in a weird way and i think it's just cuz we saw so many positive things from younger players even with uh, daz newsom it was good to see him in the mm-hmm. capacity that he was um, caught a pass and also you know, did good on his punt return. I think his first one went for like thirty yards or something like that. So mm-hmm. you know, it was impressive to see and, you know, more good stuff from Cleo Herbert. It's just uh bright spots. And I know Thomas Graham got burnt on one of the touchdown passes, but he also came back strong with a good tackle for loss and pass breakup. So in my opinion, I think everything's kinda of trending the right way for the for the players where it counts.
0: Yeah, Thomas Graham it was really unfortunate seeing uh uh, Metcalf Burnham for that touchdown but really the rest of the game he was rock solid I, I feel like stuff like that's gonna happen uh to a young cornerback um he's doing a pretty decent job on the outside but truly he probably should be our slot corner uh so I hope hopefully once Jalen Johnson comes back we can switch Artie Burns back to the outside or Kendall Vildor and just have uh Have Graham in the slot, uh, even though I think Thomas Graham is probably even better on the outside than Kendall Vildor. So maybe you throw Vildor into the slot, but God, who knows?
1: Um, Or I know I've I've seen more things about venturing with putting Eddie Jackson at the nickel, too, and kind of experimenting with that a little bit.
0: He he came out and said that he he liked how he's getting more integrated in the game. All I'm going to say is if you're paying $15 million for a nickel cornerback, you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, but what's oh, new yeah. with the Bears? <laughs> well, I mean,
1: please do something more with it. You know, utilize it like almost um, how a Charles Woodson was utilized in the Green Bay defense mm-hmm. way back when, where if he's going to play in like a nickel or really consistently downloads safety, please bring him on blitzes <laughs> and let him get yeah. sacks. You know, he's got to be used in some kind of capacity like that, um, not just as a coverage nickel. Yeah, that'd be a huge waste. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, another, another good note, uh, Robert Quinn hit 17 sacks, uh on the season that is 0.5 less than the bears franchise record uh man he is is getting extremely close to uh even being in conversation for that michael Strahan record uh of (laughs) strazan the strahan record strahan excuse me that's all right you're just you're Uh,
1: mimicking the list
0: through the the gap (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got uh, 22 and a half sacks anyways (laughs) (laughs) let's move on (laughs) I'm kidding big Um, big ups
1: to Quinn though I mean honestly he's been remarkable this year I mean to say the absolute least and you know getting I think even that dent record beating that dent record would mean a lot but I mean yeah you're right it's not completely out of the question for the NFL record
0: He would need like four sacks in this next game, which is unrealistic for a lot of players. But the type of season Robert Quinn has been having, it wouldn't surprise me if he hits three, maybe four against this New York Giants offensive line, which is god-awful playing... with what's his name from at quarterback. Like that's not, it's not a huge reach, you know, it's going to, it's going to take some, it's going to take some time for him to uh, reach it. But I think that his best, his best likelihood of getting to that record or at least tying it would be to, uh to get like four in one game and then just clean up on the final game uh, rather than ha- expecting him to have what three. Yeah. Three each game. Um, but yeah, and I was talking to uh, one, one of my other friends, and he he reminded me that Robert Quinn, for the longest time, had the Rams franchise sack record. Yeah, as well. Uh, yeah. So he, this man could could set potentially two franchise sack records, except for the fact that Aaron Donald just uh, beat Robert Quinn's record. Yeah. So
1: it wasn't the longest standing record, but it is pretty incredible to at least hit that in your in your career. And, I mean, also, too, to set it on the Bears would be pretty huge, especially when you had people like Khalil Mm -hmm. Mack on your team, um, of course, Dent, um, and and we've seen a fair share of other quality pass rushers here, Julius Peppers, just for recent
0: memory. Yeah. um,
1: Just to name a few.
0: Absolutely. All right, man. Well, any final thoughts on the Seahawks game? I mean, it's it's, it's a win. (laughs) The Bears don't have four wins anymore. They have five wins. Yeah, other than like
1: seeing the young players improve, I don't think we learned incredible amount here, and also too the Seahawks are just bad team too. I mean they're yeah they're a bad team. <laughs> I think we I saw think that
0: <laughs> a, a couple of weeks ago. We mentioned potentially uh, Pete Carroll. Potentially being a name that could be a coaching candidate and uh, after this game i i have to say i, I would be okay with not going with him
1: <laughs> i think he's just gonna straight up be done you know and that's what i, I think he should that's what should. that's what i'd like to see you know preserve the the legacy he did won the super bowl as a coach in the nfl he's got the usc runs to his name I, you know i think he's a legend in my mind and i don't need to see mm-hmm. him go through more seasons like this it's just painful
0: Completely agree. And would he even really want to go to a team that's like rebuilding or anything? Probably not. Um, Yeah, I I, I can't say. Uh, I would think he would. (laughs) All right, but let's go ahead and move on. Justin Fields, uh, we just got the injury report for the Sunday game against the Giants, and he is still limited. Apparently, this is based off of an ankle issue, which popped up after the Vikings game, and he was reportedly in a boot last week. Um, which is very concerning. So I, I, I guess the question is, will he play this game, and will he will we even see him play again this season? I'm hoping he will play this game. It doesn't look like he's being ruled out. I remember around last week we we he was already ruled out at this time. I think it was Thursday that he was officially ruled out. Um, but man, this is this feels like a game that Justin Fields could really light it up against a really bad team. Yeah, it'd certainly be
1: advantageous. You know, Um, it'd certainly be a a better matchup for him. And it's disappointing because you kind of run like this odd, like teeter totter in the situation because you really, really want him to get this experience um, towards the end of the season here. Like you said, this is kind of a matchup where it can at least be a confidence booster. Not that he needs it, but, you know, it would be a a pretty good way to end out the season. Even if He can just have a good game here against the Giants. Um, but at the same time you don't want to push him too fast on kind of the multiple injuries that he has now you know he's pretty banged up at this point in the year um, as happens to most nfl players and as he's probably learning as a rookie and with you know kind of the hits that he takes too so it, you know you run the risk of you don't want to injure him further or put him at any kind of risk and make these injuries worse than they already are uh, but you also want to see him go out there and you know against a team like a giant so just I don't know. It would at least feel good. You know, I feel decent about the last game against the Vikings, but if we could at least see fields light it up one more time, it'd be a decent enough way to end the season for what the season has been this year.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Hopefully fields can come back. It's going to be a real bummer. If we have to watch the combination of Andy Dalton and Nick Foles play, not that there's a whole lot to play for,
1: but which raises its own question. You'd rather probably just see Nick Foles play at this point, right? Like he won the last game. Like I, if it's not going to be Justin Fields, you probably let Foles play, I think.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> I think I probably would rather watch Nick Foles cuz with Nick Foles, you know, he you know, I, he lives up to his nickname, you know. He's a, he, he he's a, he's a player sometimes, you know. He 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 wins cha- he's won a championship, you know. He can he can show up a couple games uh and, and play, you know, but Andy Dalton, man, I don't know about Andy Dalton, man. I, I, I just, I don't have the same uh, excitement for it. Yeah, I mean, both of them have experiences.
1: Backup QBs in the league, they got quite a bit of experiences. That. Um, oh yeah. And, and with Nick Foles, you know, you'll never, you'll never watch a game where you're not reminded that he did win that Super Bowl at the Philadelphia Eagles Mm -hmm. that is indeed in fact the Super Bowl champion Nick Foles on (laughs) that field so you know I really just watched Nick Foles play too I think that at this point you're not learning anything from Dalton and I think Nick Foles may be in one of those situations where he's just like telling himself that these last few games are to make the playoffs or something trying to get himself psyched and you know, at the end of the, like winning the title for him is like finishing the season at 7 and 10. You know, he's just like, I, yeah, yeah, I can clutch exactly. it
0: for him. You know, there you go. He did that a couple times with the Eagles, I think. So, <laughs> you know, uh, that's his specialty. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on. Ryan Pace, reportedly, uh, this is coming out from one of the Chicago Beat reporters, uh, had a verbal agreement with Dan Quinn to become the Bears head coach in 2016. But Ted Phillips and uh, Mr. McCaskey made him choose John Fox. Uh, not that Dan Quinn was, had a great coaching tenure with the Falcons. I think it was uh, remarkable compared to that of John Fox's Bears tenure. And uh, I actually would have been more interested in seeing Dan. I think everyone honestly would have been way more interested in seeing Dan Quinn coach the Bears over John Fox. Um, first takes on this reason. I mean, this is just this just shows the incompetence. I feel like at the top of the Bears organization with Ted Phillips and uh I'm gonna go. I'm not even gonna say his first name, Mr. McCaskey.
1: It sounds like to me, it's like you're like uh, Reagan. You're like Mr. Gorbachev, you're Like tear down this one, <laughs> <Yes. wall." laughs> Mr. Yes, McCaskey, <laughs> ruined this coaching situation. Seriously, you know and. Uh, it's just it's so weird that they bungled it like in two straight coaching windows, too. You know, like mm-hmm. they had the whole situation with Tressman and Arians. And then now it's like you learn that there's this whole situation with Quinn and Fox. And mm-hmm. it's just like, why does it always go this way with this team? And why are they so like daft? It's almost incredible that the Nagy hires like this, like almost seemingly perfect hire because they just didn't completely bungle it. And
0: didn't Well they kept their hands out of it, it seemed like. Yeah. I, I truly I truly will say I think that Nagy was a Ryan Pace hire. Right. Um which is maybe why think, it was
1: just more straight up. But
0: Yeah. And I, I think that it's honestly when you like look at see, here's the thing. When you look at John Fox being hired, there were other head coaches hired in that year that were you know you can say a little bit better or could have been hired that could have been much better like Dan Quinn who actually went to a Super Bowl because the Falcons had such a good defense that year also they had Kyle Shanahan running that offense which was just a great combo which actually in my mind then we probably would have had Kyle Shanahan as the Bears offensive coordinator um, which would have been really cool to see I guess with see him see what he could do with Jay Cutler Uh, but oh man yeah, seriously though. And, and, but like the other thing is like looking back also when you go back to Tressman, you're like, okay, well, we could have also hired Arians, which a uh, huge mistake that we didn't do that. And then finally, when you look at Matt Nagy, you're like, oh, but who else could we really have hired? You know, it was yeah. just kind of like, I, I th- again, I think that you can, you know, criticize Ryan Pace. You can criticize Ryan Pace for a lot of things. The Nagy hire, compared to other hires i mean like we're talking about a a coaching group of like matt patricia um jeez i'm trying i don't even know really the other hires i guess the one you could really say was uh the colts hiring frank reich yeah has kind of went maybe better for them um that's that's no
1: that's been the best case one for sure i mean they're on a good run right now too but they didn't
0: even want him (laughs) they wanted (laughs) josh mcdaniels he was the second you know um so that, that's kind of like where I'm at with that. I think the biggest criticism you can really say is that the fact that Ryan Pace didn't fire John Fox a year earlier um, and gotten in that coaching group of uh, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. But at the end of the day, it, I don't even know if he was allowed to fire him. <laughs> truthfully, Who knows? the the whole John Fox,
1: it was it's all been a mess, honestly. Um, but. <laughs> I think that just hopefully when you look at this like coaching window, it's not the same like kind of takeaway, you know, where it's like the bears hire someone and it's like, well, you know, like who else were they going to get? And that's kind of what it feels like we're leading into mm-hmm. in a, in a bad way, yeah. unfortunately. Cause every, yeah, every week absolutely. it's just kind of <laughs> like, man, like I, I don't know. Like yeah. you're waiting for this surprise, like candidate to kind of jump out and, you know, you're hoping for that like Sean Payton breaking news and then you're like, oh okay, this is who the Bears are gonna get. But right now it's oh just my kinda gosh. like
0: it's kinda like that. <laughs> don't I don't even get me started with the Sean Payton rumors and stuff. Like, yes, of course that's a dream come true, but man, don't even tempt me. I I know we're gonna be all hoping for Sean Payton and then we're gonna get uh, Jim Caldwell. <laughs> no baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um you know hopefully that's hopefully we do get John, Sean Payton. Sean Payton, you want to coach the Bears? Very happy for it. Uh, same with uh, uh Saints head coach. Blanking on his name right now. Who's head coach? Oh, sorry. uh Steelers head coach. Oh, Tomlin. Tomlin, Mike Tomlin. How, yeah, same with Tomlin. How about, I'd be
1: happy with Tomlin. How about this? Like Sean Payton comes over, but and I know he would never say this. Because like the one stipulation is that Taysom Hill has to be quarterback.
0: <laughs> I would straight up turn that down then. I, I, I could not survive with that. <laughs> that, that. That is like the one thing on Sean Payton's resume where you're just like, what are you consistently thinking, you know? Um, whatever the uh, good thing we have justin fields i think that sean Payton would like justin fields i think justin fields makes the bears one of the more attractive head coach openings which brings us to our next topic why have the bears not fired matt nagy
1: you know what i i feel like at this point it's almost because it was just like what we were just talking about we're like i think they straight up just don't know who they're gonna hire yet as scary as that <laughs> sounds like i don't think they have a name are like they, they probably yeah. have a list of names, but I don't think they have a name that's like absolutely best case scenario. We're getting this guy.
0: That's a that's actually one of the better points I've heard so far. Um, just to just kind of let everyone know the. All teams can officially start interviewing head coach candidates. Uh, The Jaguars notably already have their opening. The stipulation for those interviews is that you either need to let your coach know that he's not going to be coming back at the end of the season or fire your head coach. Uh, And the Jaguars have already interviewed... Byron Leftwich, Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, who declined their interview kind of hilariously. Doug, he's like, it's better to be a DC of the Dallas Cowboys than it is to be uh, the head coach of the Jaguars, which I do not blame him for. Uh, Doug Peterson, who interviewed this past week, Jim Caldwell, Todd Bowles, Matt Eberflus, and Nathaniel Hackett. Just reading those off because it is... When you start seeing where the interviews start being requested, you can kind of see... Kind of where the real NFL interest lies. One notable name not on there is Brian Dable, who I think we'll get to in a little bit. But um, yeah, I and I kind of agree with your sentiment, Risa. Like hmm, maybe the Bears don't know what they're what they're doing. Another hypothesis I've seen on Twitter a little bit has been that maybe they're trying to get Ryan. The, like Ryan Pace is tied to Matt Nagy, so they're going to fire both, and they're waiting to really see how the season plays out. But I don't know, man. It seems senseless.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's kind of like, what's the point on waiting on pace then, either? You know, just fire them both together now. Um, The the one name, what what do you think about Doug Peterson, man?
0: (laughs) Oh man! Well, we're in in the next topic. We're gonna get into my head coach rankings, but I I I would be interested in it. You don't hate it, right? Because I no, I I would genuinely be interested in it, and the reason why is because. He a he won a Super Bowl. B, he got fired for like such a weird reason. Like it was it was his firing from Philadelphia was super weird. And the big reason why he essentially stepped down from what the report said. Like he just said, I don't want to do this anymore. And then stepped back. Because uh the GM of the Eagles was making Was choosing assistant coaches for him. So, like, they were getting really involved with what was happening. I think the decision to start, uh, geez, what's his name? Man, these late night episodes always, the Eagles quarterback currently hurts. Hurts. Yeah, hurts. Uh, the decision to start him, I think, came from up above as well. Uh, you know, I, over at least over Wentz and then trading one. I, I just think he never really was involved with the organization. And I think it caused a lot of issues for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't out of fire. What if the Bears just come out and they're like, you
0: know what? We're going for Chip Kelly. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. Don't even get me started, man. It, it would not be a huge surprise. And that's why I'm deathly afraid that if we change GM, we're just going to get the worst decision from ownership they're gonna be like okay we're gonna get a young gm but we're also gonna decide the head coach again jim kelly <laughs> no. yeah. or uh even if it's like leslie frazier i'm just man oh i heard that how underwhelming come up a couple times. how underwhelming if that's the case man i'm just gonna be like bro oh there's so there's even like the guys that are on my like bad list like the the guys i don't want i think i would still rather have than like leslie frazier that's that reminds me of uh just like some like there's always that like one team that makes like a really odd hiring that you're like oh that's not gonna work (laughs) kind of like the jaguars this year with urban meyer (laughs) um but you know yeah i guess we'll just have to see so should we get into these head coaching rankings yeah let's do it all right and we can we can walk through uh we'll get your opinion on each one one after the other number one yeah and this is like set in stone for me right now there's I mean, again none of these guys are perfect like you're saying literally none of these guys are perfect like as much as we, we dislike Matt Nagy right now the kind of the thought is that he was going to be a good head coach and there wasn't a lot to critique about him you're just like oh he's a cheese coordinator um Reed has glowing words for him um he started play calling towards the end of his tenure with the chiefs. I, there really wasn't a whole lot there, but the number one is Byron Lefwich. and I, have kind of been hammering on this for a little bit. He calls the plays for the card, or sorry, uh, Tampa Bay. He was, he was the Cardinals interim head coach, but that didn't turn out very well. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, He has experience at quarterback. Uh, He's loved by the team. Tom Brady really appreciates him. Aaron says he uh, is really underrated in the role that he plays on the team. Um, Not that I'm putting too much stock in that because you never know. It kind of seems like the same thing that happened with Reed and Nagy. Um, But yeah, I I think that Byron Leftwich. There's been some weird games where the Tampa Bay offense just comes out dry, kind of like what happened against the Saints in the recent matchup uh, where Tom Brady was screaming at the at the Saints uh, defense coordinator. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think Byron left, which I, I I would be happy. He's a little inexperienced. That's really his downfall, and obviously as Tom Brady. But he still took Jameis on a 5,000-yard season, which is incredible to me.
1: Yeah, that brings a lot of faith to me. As far as you know, people bring up, oh well, he's with Brady, and I I get that, I understand that, but he also did some great things with Jameis, so I think it's it's pretty obvious to have him at the number one. I think the if I had any remote concern for him at all, it would be kind of what you brought up, and that you know maybe we're doing a little bit of that, you know, apprentice and, and the master and the apprentice as far as what we're doing mm-hmm. with um Nagy and Reed. And we yep. have the situation with Arians and Leftwich, but I don't think there's much to that because they run totally different schemes. <laughs>
0: so yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree with that. I just you just never know. That's the one thing, um, and that's really the one pro for Brian Dable is like you can tell that he is the one sole offensive mind. So there is an inherent risk there with Leftwich. There's also an inherent risk that, you know, he has Tom Brady. He has a stacked roster. But also, you have to give him credit for even with a stacked roster, how much uh responsibility he has over an offense that has won a Super Bowl. That's another thing. He's won a Super Bowl as well. And people made a big deal about Matt Nagy being a quarterback himself. Man, Matt Nagy played in the Arena League. Byron Leftwich actually was a first round draft choice. So, yeah, I, I'm a little afraid that the Jaguars are going to sign him because he played for the Jaguars, but we'll see.
1: That's it's definitely a possibility. Staying in state, staying local, um, but yeah, yeah arena. I'm playing in the arena league and playing in the league—a little bit of a difference. But.
0: I think my second, my number two, is going to be a stunner on this list. Okay, let me. Let so me. everyone, don't get too surprised. Don't swerve your car. Just please hang on for a minute. Oh man, it's Mike Single Theory. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> Matt Campbell
1: matt campbell the iowa state boy you know what like i i remember matt campbell when he was coaching toledo <laughs> really just from watching the niu football games i remember that watching this man <laughs> um you know what nothing too crazy bad against matt campbell my only concern with matt campbell is that he's always struggled to take that team to the next level like he's brought this mm-hmm. team he's he's a really good developer i feel like he could take the bears about like Three quarters of the way there, and then just be like, okay, they can never reach the summit. You know, he could bring Mm -hmm. the Bears to be in a consistent wild card team, but would they Mm -hmm. be a Super Bowl winner? I don't know. I haven't seen it from Matt Campbell in his coaching career yet.
0: So, so here's my explanation, and maybe this will change your mind a little bit. I was reading to what a lot of the beat reporters have been saying, and uh, the, the cool thing about being if you're actually like on the beat, being a beat reporter is you actually are allowed in house hall. You go to all the, co- you see a lot of the meetings happen. You see the attitude of the players. And I, I see a general sentiment is that the bears just have a losing culture and a culture of mediocrity. Matt Campbell's like biggest strong suit is being a quote unquote culture builder. And believe me, I'm one of the number one persons that think that's that's such BS when a, when a coach is just chosen because he's a culture guy. Um, But I have to say, I think that the Bears have tried so often to go over the flashy coordinator um, on either side of the ball. And I think that truly, if you look across the NFL, a lot of these coaches uh, that are really successful, they're really good at having their team believe in a common goal, believe in a common message and and making them want to play hard. And I watched a lot of Matt Campbell's interviews and and saw some little docuseries on him. And uh, I saw just really how devoted he is to the team as well as how he really gets all the players to just like be dialed in, locked in uh, all the time. And like really, this Bears team, they just they need something fresh. And in a coaching crop where it's just like there really aren't that many great options. um, I just I feel like this might be the time to make a chance to, to give him a chance now he did turn down an eight year offer from the lions, which also should give us some confidence that he is going to be a good head coach, but also that he might not be interested in the NFL. You know, that college head coaching is kind of a better job than the NFL right now, if we're being completely honest. And, um, you know, he, I, I understand what you're saying about, he never really took Iowa state to the next level. Uh, but he did turn essentially an irrelevant program to, a program that is ranked quite frequently nowadays, albeit like, you know, only in the 20s or maybe they'll get into the, to the top 20 um, every once in a while. But uh, with Matt Campbell, man, I, I, the one thing I want to say is how good really can Iowa, Iowa State football get? <laughs> you know, like I, 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 mean, I can't foresee question. Iowa State winning a, a national championship.
1: And at least, you know, Matt Campbell brings them to that point, you know, he allows them to even be in the conversation. So there's something to be said for that, even in college football, bringing that team to be in a, a top 2025 20, kind of ranking is, is impressive. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's a terrible option, but I'm kind of with you. I wouldn't necessarily go for a, a culture building guy first, you know, wouldn't be my, mm-hmm. my definite first option.
0: Also another, uh, another note is that he has had coach experience which is good, which all, all these guys that I'm going to mention, besides Doug Peterson, um, they don't. And then on top of that, he is offensive minded. Um, I wouldn't say that he's like heavily regarded for his like offensive scheme or anything. He's more so just like a, a, a pure culture guy, but he's, he's also an offensive, offensive minded guy. Um, but number three, Brian Dable. I think Dable you know he has went through a little rough patch here at the end of the at the end of the year but truly when you think about it this man has put together two three uh two years of top 5 offensive performance for his team specifically and really who do the Bills have on offense I mean I guess you can say Josh Allen, who Brian Dable developed. That's another key trait here is that he's actually developed a quarterback. Um, But offensively, they have, you know, Stefan Diggs, and then after that, a lot of underwhelming players. The cons is that, you know, he's been called out a little bit by the media that he some of his choices may have resulted in uh, the team not being as winning as they probably could have been. But at the end of the day, he... I think he's the safe choice. You know, I I I don't know how good of a head coach he'll be, but you can almost guarantee he won't be a bad coach in my opinion.
1: Yeah, he might be a safe choice. I think my main concern with him is just how like how good the Bills offense can be one week, especially against like kind of usually poor competition and then yeah. they're kind of a 50-50 team in the big games, you know. So yeah. I don't know exactly how to feel about him. Um but I do think that we could certainly be in worse hands than Brian Dable. You know, I wouldn't be coming onto
0: this podcast fuming or screaming afterwards,
1: you know. Just it'd be what it would
0: be. And I'm I'm gonna make the point that I think that those three candidates that I just mentioned are like the truly elite candidates of the bunch. Like I don't know over history where they would rank as far as coaching candidates go, probably not very great. (laughs) But as far as like the bunch that they're in, I think that those are really like the top three guys I'd be looking at. And then there's a step down. And my number four is Kellen Moore. Um, Very successful offense. I mean, they put up 42 points against – uh, the F- Washington football team in one half <laughs> they, they could have scored like 80 points on them it was ridiculous uh, and he, he is cre- he's got a creative mind you know he's young um, the bad is he has really little coaching experience and it makes me a little bit concerned as to okay going from just being a coordinator to really truly being a the the, the main guy. You know, he's only been coaching for, what, like three years? I mean, it seems like yesterday he was in the NFL still um, playing, that is. And he also has a loaded loaded roster. So, uh, I don't know, man. The, I, I have, like, a little bit of concern. Like, Kellen Moore is either going to be a very, very good hire or he's going to be a terrible hire, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think he's a complete boomer bust pick. You're either going to be made to look like a fool or look like a genius for, for hiring him, you know? To me, it's kind of similar to like the the reach that the Rams made for McVay, where you know it could end up in a situation where it's like, hey, you look like a genius because you get someone like McVay, or if it doesn't turn out so well, then it's kind of like, well, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Um, so, you know, it's almost like the Trubisky pick a little bit. You know, it's like yeah, oh, this mm-hmm. this should work. You know, I, I don't see why it wouldn't, but we don't necessarily have the biggest track record on them. I do think that he's aided heavily by the weapons that are in Dallas. I mean, I think you and I could design a pretty good offense with the weapons that they have there and you know, the point. quality of offensive line that they have there. So, uh, but at the same time, you know, you actually still got to go out there and execute it and do it over the course of the football season. I think for the most part, he's been been right on, especially in important games, divisional games. That's that's why I usually look at the Cowboys for this year. They've they've taken care of their divisional games pretty well. Um so I mean props to him for that. I think that yeah, he's your boomer bust pick, um, where Dabble is your kind of conservative pick.
0: And for the Bears, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So that's why I choose <laughs> so I, I think away. I'd be yeah, more a little more comfortable with him not becoming the head coach. All right, number five, finally Doug Peters Peterson. Uh, the pros—he's won a Super Bowl. He's well respected. We kind of went all over this. Uh, it, interesting end with the Eagles um, and the cons. You know, once fell off. Really, uh, you can. You know, he—it's weird because he did have that essentially MVP season if he wouldn't have torn his ACL. Um, that took the Bear, took the Eagles to the playoffs, and, and uh, essentially uh, a lot of his heavy lifting led to Nick Foles having an easier schedule uh, in the playoffs um but his final year with the Eagles was quite terrible and you you wonder Peterson's ability to develop a quarterback that being said he is a really well-respected guy and uh I I think I could easily see him finding success in his second tenure yeah
1: I when he was the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles I wasn't necessarily thinking that he was the greatest coach in the world but definitely didn't have any ill feelings to him and I think that you know, when you kind of start to break down these names further and further after you get to the By- Byron Left, which and kind of work down the caliber of coaches a little bit, I think that you realize that someone like Doug Peterson might easily be a, a top four or five candidate and maybe even a little bit better than that. So mm-hmm. it, it's very entirely possible that I could see the Bears going after someone like him where he's in a situation where he's not necessarily an old head. He isn't like, You know, it's not like Kansas City when they hired Reed, where he's been around the league forever. But at the same time, he has a decent amount of experience under his belt, already has a Super Bowl championship. So, I don't know. It's tough to not, you know, not say that it would be a decent hire um, for the Bears, to be honest. I I feel like I'd Mm -hmm. probably be pretty happy. Um, Whereas with with Dabble, I'd be maybe content. I'd probably be happy, uh, at least happier with Doug Peterson.
0: It's very rare to have a Super Bowl-winning head coach on the market, especially one that won the Super Bowl largely off the offense he created. Um, you know, the more I'm thinking about this, I might prefer Doug Peterson over Kellen Moore, which I know might sound crazy, but uh, I, I just feel like the Eagle situation was such a unique situation. Um, and the fact that he won there is is pretty respectable. Not.
1: Not, I mean, as the first Super Bowl win, you know, I I think that's not an obvious hire to go after him, but I think he's easily someone that you, that you at least have to bring in him for an interview. You know, I think the Bears at least Absolutely. have to, to give him the opportunity to to speak his speak his case.
0: Absolutely. All right, uh, and I'm just going to read off all of the absolutely nots for me. Josh McDaniels, his last coaching uh, tenure was a dumpster fire. He was also awful with the Rams uh, as an interim head coach. I um, also don't think he would be a great offense for Justin Fields. Um, he really likes to simplify things, whereas I feel like Justin Fields' best qualities is his downfield passing. Uh, also, Belichick coaching tree is not historically uh, successful. Number two, Eric Bieniemy. don't want to go off- over – after a read, uh, I, I just, I, I can only imagine the headlines if we went after another read coordinator, um, especially one that doesn't call plays. Uh, I really am trying to stay away from guys who don't call plays on their team. Um, I just, I, after seeing how terrible Matt Nagy has done that, I'd like to at least see some expertise there. Uh, Ryan Day, he inherited an amazing position at Ohio State, and it kind of seems like Ohio State gets... Has gotten worse every year since, uh, Urban Myers, uh, Urban Myers retirement. I mean, I'm not trying to take away anything that he did there, but I, I just, his, his scheme is not really NFL, anything that could perform well in the NFL. Um, that being said, I don't know how much he really plays into the scheme that they choose. Maybe it's more his offense coordinators. He does have NFL experience, but not super interested in Ryan Day. John Harbaugh, uh, mm, Hasn't really had a successful NFL offense, or super successful, I should say. Uh, really old school. He's kind of a disciplined guy, who, which doesn't really tend to do well in the NFL. You know, It's kind of a big reason why he left the NFL for college is because his coaching style kind of fits a little bit better there. And then finally, Todd Bowles. Uh, this is probably the least bad of the bunch, I would say, but he was very wildly unsuccessful with the Jets, and I'm looking more for an offensive guy as our head coach
1: yeah i think todd bulls i don't think he'd be an awful hire i just don't think it's a direction that the bears need to go in to be honest but i i do like todd bulls and it's the jets man i don't even know other than someone like gase i don't know how heavily you can critique someone with the jets Good but point. At, at the same time I, I do get what you're coming from entirely jim harbaugh i just i just don't see him as the bears head coach and having success so that's kind of my rationale there um and especially working with justin fields just don't really quite see that working out i think ryan day offensive scheme takes way too long to develop for the nfl he'll just never have that kind of time consistently to to make those passes and Mm -hmm. plays that he wants to run run um and then I, i think with um mcdaniels josh mcdaniels i think He's someone that would help improve aspects of this team dramatically as far as in the run game as well. I think he'd bring the best out of someone like Montgomery, but you also really have to factor in that quarterback that you just drafted, and I think what you said about him rings true, um, where it's just not the best fit for Justin Fields, so I don't think this should necessarily go down that route. But I do think that Josh McDaniels could bring some improvement to this Bears team. It's just not where the Bears absolutely
0: need it the most right now absolutely all right uh next topic oh well i guess overall what how do you feel about this where who what are some guys that stuck out if you had to give your top three right now who would you say um any s- critiques on the list fine before we close it out
1: i would say byron Leftwich. i think i really talked up doug peterson in my mind today just saying mm-hmm. that out loud getting it out of my throat and maybe I'll be made to look like a fool after this, but it's just—I don't know. It, it, it seems—it seems like something that's a better fit. Um, and I've rode with Kellen Moore before, so maybe I'll put him in a three. But I think there's some serious red flags um, with with the Kellen Moore situation. So I'll leave it at that.
0: Okay, you—you you have your option right now: Matt Campbell or Brian Dable. Who are you choosing? <laughs>
1: Oh, dude, that's actually a very hard question for me. Um, My mind naturally weighs to you get the person that has a load of NFL experience um, in Brian Dabble. Uh, I'm not blown away by Matt Campbell, honestly. I I think he's good. I think he's decent at the college level, and certainly want to continue to see him do what he's doing at Ohio State or Iowa State. I think that's kind of his mission right now. You know, I don't know if he's ready to abandon that quite yet either Mm -hmm. on a personal side. So I'll go
0: with dabble. Yeah, I think Matt, the fact that Matt Campbell denied an eight year deal from the Lions to me makes me feel, you know, I feel pretty confident in him, honestly, like the fact that a team would offer him an eight year deal and he would feel confident enough to decline it. That's. Really, really impressive, and it speaks a lot to me. I think it was an eight-year, $72 million deal, too. So he's not only that, but he'd become one of the highest-paid coaches in the NFL. Um, But that being said, John Gruden's 10-year, $100 million contract uh, didn't really uh, turn out too well for (laughs) the Raiders. Um, But anyway, let's go ahead and move on. Louis Riddick, someone that a lot of Bears fans have mentioned as uh, potential GM figure that they would like for the Bears. Someone that's really gained a lot of respect over the past two, three years um, from fans specifically. And he does a lot of the pre-draft coverage. Uh, It seems to get a lot of things right there. Uh, Someone confronted him and asked him, I forget on a radio show, I forget exactly who, uh, if he would uh, be willing to take a front office position for the Bears. And he said he would absolutely talk to the Bears over a front office position. And he said, uh, specifically like uh it, it's the Bears like he really respects the organization so uh Reese if the Bears came out tomorrow and uh hired Lewis Riddick as the GM of the Chicago Bears how would you feel
1: you know I man. I don't know I, I don't know if I'd be necessarily over the moon about it mm-hmm. maybe I just don't know enough about him you know honestly but at the same time all I can say is that when you're doing draft analysis, it's it's a lot easier to go ahead and make the commentary about it and and seem smart by having a pretty proactive vision and and having a pretty good lookout or um, outlook for the future. But it's another thing to to do it, you know. And, and that's also it. we're not firing or there's not contemplation to fire ryan pace because of his scouting ability if anything that's Mm -hmm. what ryan pace does well if we're looking for a good scout gm then we we have that already and i know there's talks of keeping ryan pace in the building as well in whatever capacity but i think that what we've seen is we also need a gm that's going to be really good in setting up the organization help building that chemistry maybe a little bit more involved than ryan pace is and ultimately, mm-hmm. ultimately, it's choosing the head coach. You know, that's been the biggest thing, um, I think, from what we've seen in development. Like you said, this might be Ryan Pace's best draft class that he had this past year. Yeah, you spectacular. Know, it's spectacular. And yet we're also talking about someone that is on the verge of losing their job. So it tells you that there's something that's just not quite in balance there. So they need to find that balance in their next GM hire, whether that be I Lewis am- Riddick or not.
0: I almost would prefer Riddick in like a president role over a GM role. You know, like I feel like he, he is a true football guy that could make the correct football decisions. But as far as when you think about like his ability to technically break down a draft pick or, or his decisions, you know, he had a, a, a pretty long, a, a decent career as an executive in the NFL. You know, he wasn't a he was a director of, Uh, pro personnel for the Eagles from 2010 to 2013, had a stint with the Washington Redskins as well. Before that, Um, served as a scout for a while, also played in the NFL. Um, But it's just like one of those things where it's like, just because you you have good philosophy doesn't always mean you're going to make the right decisions. Um, And that's why I feel like a president role is almost better for him Um, and and allowing him to kind of, you know, make the decisions as to whether to fire or keep a gm or a coach or something like that um that's why i feel like he'd be a much better fit personally
1: yeah no i agree with you there i think that you know maybe that philosophy is best suit for the president position or or something along those lines which is another organizational change that the bears need is they need to get more of those football guys in the building so I, i kind of agree with the sentiment of bringing someone like Lewis Riddick in, but let's do it in the right capacity.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's go ahead. And before we wrap up the show, go over the New York Giants game. Big game, yes. everyone. Huge game. <laughs> game of the year. Nick Foles, Jake Fromm. <laughs> <laughs> game of the year, Sunday night football. Most important time slot. No, I'm just playing. Uh, this is going to be... I. If Justin Fields plays, my excitement's gonna go up to like 80 or 90% because I love seeing Justin Fields play and I think he can really stunt on this Giants team. Um, I would be even more excited if we were playing Mike Lennon because we could have seen the Mike Lennon Nick Foles face-off potentially, uh, which Sheesh. you know, in a way, a little bit similar. Uh, what I'd pay to of,
1: see that, man. Let
0: me tell you, right, right. That that would be exciting. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'd get flexed into that Sunday Night Football slot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, I, you know, I, I, if Fields plays, I'm gonna be very excited. If Foles or Andy Dalton plays, I'm just gonna be like, eh. Kind of hope we'd lose so we can just get rid of Nagy and just have a a really like a good understanding of just where this team is at and move forward and stop thinking about the potential Bears head coaches for the future and actually be able to discuss the benefits of our new head coach. But, you know, I I think that even regardless of what quarterback plays, we're probably going to kill the Giants um, because they're just that bad.
1: Yeah, they're bad. I mean, it's an opportunity to get to the sixth win of the season for sure. This Giants team is pretty trash. They've dealt with a lot of injuries, on, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They've really slowed them down. They certainly have the pieces there. It's just whether or not they're playing or are involved in that particular game. Um, but, yeah, man, it's going to be a, a real stunner. <laughs> um, it's unfortunate that we're probably not seeing Glennon play um uh, obviously what to look out for hopefully robert quinn can stack some sacks and just oh, can con- continue to watch like these these young guys of course
0: if glennon was there man F- quinn could have feasted i didn't even think about yeah,
1: that Yeah, just complete complete statue man dude like he, he might have could've a chance awesome. at the forced fumble record at that rate <laughs> you know <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> seriously i mean that would have been incredible the one the one other wrinkle in this game that would be cool if justin fields plays is the fact that the Giants are the ones who passed up on Fields and traded us the pick to draft him. Yeah. So
1: it, it, that would be a cool storyline. And I was telling you earlier, or I think it was kind of, I was like, this is the blueprint that I don't want the Bears to follow is the kind of the Giants blueprint right now, where. The Giants are inevitably basically saying, we're running it back <laughs> with what they have. Yeah. With Joe Judge and Daniel Jones, which I feel for Giants fans because I imagine they probably feel pretty helpless at this point. Because I, yeah, I. They're being held hostage yeah. for sure. It, but it's weird with the Giants because, like, they have a lot of really good players, honestly, on the offensive side of the ball, I feel like. I mean, I. Saquon Barkley I've honestly haven't been the biggest fan of at the NFL level but I think someone like Kadarius Tony is someone that obviously Mm -hmm. has elite level talent there's a reason why he was drafted so high up Um, Kenny Galladay has been banged up for a lot of the year but hasn't even gotten a single touchdown with this Giants team so it's just been a kind of a pitiful year for them so if if there's any team that the Bears can beat up on it's it's
0: them (laughs) absolutely and uh, I just hope it's Justin Fields uh, doing that so we don't get any more Nick Foles truthers <laughs> in our comment section. Hey, you know, I
1: wish I could even be worried about that, though. The late, the last yeah. thing on my mind right now is Nick Foles truthers. Like, I just, I, and Maybe it's just because I just don't want to hear it, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty obvious that's not the direction that this Bears team needs to move on. I mean, just look at the, some of the quarterbacks we've picked up. <laughs> they got yeah. Dalton. and they picked up this man named Glennon that's going to be on their sideline, which is incredible. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. All right, well, final score prediction for Sunday's game. Are we playing – is this a home game? Yes, I believe so.
1: Okay. Also, I may remind all the listeners, too, that you probably should just watch one of the other nine noon kickoff games. Um, (laughs) since like there's not the Thursday night game this week and all that, there's a lot of other games to choose from, but (laughs) for all the diehard bears fans, I'll go with bears 27 giants
0: 14. All right. This is going to be the biggest blowout I've predicted all year. You're kidding. Bears, bears, bears. 31. Giants, 10. 10. Okay. Boom. Fireworks. I was like, for
1: me. a second, I was like, there's no way this man's going to be in the 40s. Zero. Like the 40s <laughs> right now. You know, I was like, there's 50 no- <laughs> to
0: zero at the half. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's it's, it's going to be a calm 30 to nothing at the half, and the Bears are just going to milk their way to a 52 to nothing. Yeah.
0: And I think that e, I think we will hit that mark regardless of what quarterback plays. The this Giants team is just god awful. Like it, this is just a god awful team. You know, really, I don't think that the Bears are going to have an issue shutting down Kadarius Tony or uh, Saquon Barkley. In the past, when we played the Giants, we did not have an issue in the slightest shutting down Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and it's I would say. <laughs> Yeah, all you got to do,
1: the blueprint is very simple. The last time they played
0: Saquon, they injured him. Yeah, did you see one of the reporters for the Giants asked Saquon if he wanted to burn down Soldier Field after the injury, (laughs) and Saquon's response was no. (laughs) What a calm,
1: respected man. No.
0: Yes, exactly. But, all right, guys, uh, hopefully it goes in the way that we're kind of predicting it. If the Bears lose this game, I'm, you know, I, I'd honestly just be happy because at that point I feel like the, there there is nothing holding the Bears back from firing Nagy. Maybe they just didn't want to fire him after a win. Um, so, you know, I guess there's good, good things on both ends of it. Uh, we just got to pray that we don't keep Matt Nagy next year which i'm a little bit afraid now that the bears have been given the opportunity to fire him with incentive essentially that we haven't uh, but you know i guess we'll see
1: yeah you know a seven and ten season you know i mean it's real it's stunner, right around so the corner
0: man it's right it's, around the corner
1: man and it's kirk cousins if they get this win they Basically, you're asking Nagy, can you beat Kirk Cousins just one more time for us, you know?
0: It's only three games under 500, bro. Yeah.
1: He's like, oh, you said 500? And then he's going to come out. He's (laughs) going to be the biggest you he's ever been and just (laughs) have so much fun and coach the Bears to a big win at the last game of the season
0: exactly and he'll still have a winning record as an nfl head coach he's gonna
1: have the best scheme of all time
0: in that game he's <laughs> yeah, the, the biggest scheme <laughs> absolutely but any any other things to say thank you guys so much for joining us uh we hope you enjoy your new year uh hope you guys get in your new year's resolutions extra early this year and uh you know lose that weight you've been wanting to lose or you know whatever you're whatever you're trying to do
1: Yeah. And with the time length that we're going right now, if you're at like 12.02 and 30 seconds, turn this podcast on, it'll be new year by the end of it. There there you go.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So we're sure that you want to hear it. So happy new years, everyone. And uh, bear down. All right. Bear down.